0: Hi, I'm Kyle, and I'm Trevor, and uh, welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Um, for this month, uh, the March of 2019, um, Kyle and I are going to be indulging ourselves in cinema of the Irish, <laughs> um, being as St. Patrick's Day is in March, uh, we're trying to come up with a theme for the month, and uh, Kyle and I decided to explore some Irish cinema this, this month, Um Later on, we're going to be getting into uh, an evening with Troy Duffy, (laughs) uh, Irish-American bartender slash filmmaker. (laughs) Um, But to kick things off this month, um, I got to select the first film, and the one I went with is not actually an Irish film. However, it stars some Irish people, uh, and being as this is half my show, uh, I'm counting that. I'll allow it. In the words of the Immortal Mills Lane... I'll allow allow it. it. (laughs) Um, So the film that I chose uh, is from 1990, and the official title is The Big Man. Um, When it was uh, exported to the United States, though, um, via the Miramax company, um, the title was changed to Crossing the Line, uh, and in some cases it's used as a subtitle. Uh, So the, the full title of the film, I guess, is The Big Man Crossing the Line or the big man Colin crossing the line uh i think that was done in an effort to like punch up the title because the big man is kind of a well one it, it's kind of a juvenile turn of phrase like, it sounds like something a child would say and oh, yeah. it doesn't really give you an idea of what the the th- like what the thematic content of the story is whereas crossing the line sounds like a very masculine story um film was directed by david leland who i don't really know by reputation but if we gloss over his profile here oh really he he did band of brothers like he directed episodes for it from what i understand yes yeah that looks to be the case he did at least one episode of band of brothers um i believe he is irish although he may be just british no he's british never mind (laughs) um but it looks like he was he's got a pretty diverse filmography he's been in some hammer films um not a super high profile director no uh, honestly like the only thing the only reason i i gravitate towards this film is i happen to like liam neeson i kind of always have and uh a long time ago uh (laughs) probably back in high school uh and keep that in mind when when i'm telling you this uh I was scouring the internet for like uh, violent scenes in movies, <laughs> uh, so I was, I was reading an article about that, and somebody in the forum threw this film out there uh, because they felt that a, a pivotal scene in this film was an example of a particularly brutal fight sequence in Western film. Um, and So I, I kept that in the back of my mind ever since then, and it wasn't until a couple months ago that I saw this film for the first time, uh, and I decided... Kyle needed to watch it as well. Uh, so, Kyle, how did you feel about this one right out the gate?
1: Uh, real quick, David Leland directed uh, Wish You Were Here, 1987. I've never heard of it, uh, but it did get, uh, let's see, how many stars from Roger Roger Ebert himself? Uh, three and a half, so uh, nearly four stars. So he seems to have directed a pretty decent movie at some point. Um, this movie... Uh, that we're talking about. Are we going to refer to this as the big man or crossing the line? How,
0: uh, I've always thought of it as the big man because even if you look at the the poster for it, crossing the line is in very small type, whereas the big man is in very big type. Well, I mean, he's the one that actually crosses the line. We'll get to that, but um. yeah, he he does. He crosses he crosses the proverbial line. Uh, he and multiple characters in this film are referred to the as the big man. Um. Yeah, it was
1: okay. Um I don't think it was as much fun as what was the Bruce Dern um uh boxing movie.
0: Oh, Digstown.
1: Digstown. Not as Diggstown much Digstown
0: was Digstown was meant to be fun though.
1: That was a bit more fun. Um I'm 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 always game for a foreign film. Uh, sports movie. This isn't so much of this isn't really a sports movie, I wouldn't I wouldn't say. No, um not at all. It's uh, kind of what Bricktop was doing, uh, building up to his status in Snatch, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it was it wasn't too bad. Um, I, there's definitely some fun lines in here. I have a real big problem with the dog in this movie. Um, <laughs> I knew you would. I knew. You Jesus, would. well, I mean, the dog <laughs> doesn't serve much of a purpose. In my opinion, I'm like, do we really need the dog in here, guys? Because the problem, Trevor, is when I watch movies, I have two dogs, and when my two dogs see oh no a dog on screen, they go nuts. And the dog <laughs> is in, I'd say, as many shots as Liam Neeson in this movie. If Liam Neeson is in the shot, <laughs> the dog's in there. If Billy Connolly yeah, is the, in the, the shot, the th- fir-
0: the first half of this film, uh, Billy the dog is definitely like ever present. Yeah, I did, yeah. Um, well like like you said um i guess be be happy that you watch this film with a beer yeah yeah (laughs) i had a i had a guinness or two (laughs) um so that being said i guess we should get right to it um the film begins uh, with what i think is a, a pretty classy tracking shot um it's just a pastoral view of of scotland um, we're obviously in a vehicle of some sort, speeding along down a dirt road, and uh, our credits play over this tracking shot, looking over the countryside, um, and then right off the bat, um, the score hits you. Um, I'm not sure if you noticed or if you were affected by the score at all. Uh, I happen to really like it. Um, it's by Ennio Morricone, uh, you know, cinema legend when it comes to f- like score composition for films. Um, funny enough like his music for this i'm not sure if it was just the the time period because this was 1990 um but the music reminded me a lot of the untouchables Hmm. um but yeah the the score hits immediately and it's this kind of low-key ominous track that starts playing and it kind of sets a weird tone where it's like oh hang on i I didn't know this movie was going to be like that dark i kind of thought it would i mean fuck the the font is yellow on the cover it's fucking yellow <laughs> it can't be it can't be that intense um but yeah we're, we're driving along and then there's this really cool cor- like moment of vehicle coordination where uh, the vehicle we're traveling in that the camera's set up on uh comes to this like fork in the road and then the camera starts panning over and this really fancy old old car swoops in behind it and it's like perfectly seamless so like the timing of it had to be very precise uh, not sure how many takes that took, but it just seemed really cool and like something that required a lot more effort than was warranted, but it paid off if you ask me. Uh, so this town is driving through a, like this car is tra- driving through a very small town. We get to see some people coming out of a church. Uh, we later learned that it's Liam Neeson's family, um, and then during the credits, I happen to notice that this is actually based on a book um, by William McIlvaney, I think i'm not so good with my mac pronunciations <laughs> that's probably pretty um, close yeah um and then i think pretty much right off the bat we go into town it's it's a fair it's i think they even refer to it as a village uh, it's, it's very quaint it's a very small village in scotland and uh we're introduced to liam neeson uh, ironing his clothes in the evening um <laughs> <laughs> and he, he's hanging out in the living room, and his his wife and kids show up, and they came. I guess they're coming home from evening church or something.
1: Yeah, uh, I guess Daddy's not going to church tonight. Daddy's got to iron his clothes. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, he comes home, and um, I would have watched this with the subtitles, but it wasn't available when I was viewing it. <laughs> so
0: yeah, there's some heavy accents in this movie.
1: They say some stuff, some Irish stuff, and uh, it, it appears as though. Um, Liam, um niece's pieces doesn't have a job. Um <laughs> yeah. hence him ironing his clothes in the evening. Um but I guess he does he go to take the dog for a walk? Is that what he says he's gonna go do? Well first he's gonna go play soccer with he's like I'm gonna go look for a job or something, but first he's gonna go play football
0: with the kids in the backyard. Yeah, he's like doing three things at once. Like he's for a for a person who's you know late in their, their day uh, he's got a lot to do, <laughs> yeah. So he's ironing his clothes. He's he's got a job interview as a, a van driver coming up that his wife set him up with. Uh, but in the interim, he's like, "Okay, I'll play football with the kids. I'm going to take the dog for a walk. I'm going to go for a bike ride. I'm going to stop at the pub." It's like, dude, like you're getting ready for an interview. You might want to like not go to the sent- pub. <laughs> yeah, not go to the pub. One and two, like maybe not show up all sweaty from riding a bike and playing fucking footy with the kids <laughs> so he heads up back he plays football with the kids uh, and then he hops on his bike and he takes Billy the Doug uh, for a run and they, he speeds off to this pub and earlier uh, like two shots before this we saw the sinister car from the opening of the film pull up to the same pub so right off the bat it's like huh some, some parties are converging at this pub
1: Yes, um, and this is one of my new favorite uh, names for a pub in cinema history. Uh, Tenant's Lager is the name of the pub. It's almost, it's not even like flashy, it's almost like laundromat. Like, (laughs) this is where the tenants buy
0: their beer. There's nothing special about it. Yeah, This is the pub of the proletariat. (laughs) It's it's like, if you work with your hands, you go to that pub. If you work behind a desk, you go to that pub. (laughs) It's like... Uh, it's simple yeah. rules in life
1: <laughs> uh, Yeah Neeson's up there at the bar Rolling his own
0: cigarette uh, Yeah everybody's smoking indoors and I love it it's really, it's really bright and everybody's very chummy Seems like a kind of cool atmosphere actually
1: If you're local I, If
0: you're not a local I don't think you should go in there I don't think they're going to like you very much It'd be like uh, American Werewolf in London. Yeah, it's just like, oh, oh, oh okay. Uh, <laughs> this is not a friendly pub. Um, there's
1: a there's a motor sitting at the bar. Who I've seen this guy several times, and I looked at the the like his IMDb, and I'm mm-hmm. trying to think. I'm like, I just saw him recently. Or something I couldn't figure it out. Uh, Peter Mullen is his name. He's in Train Spotting. Um, let's see what else here. Uh, Westworld few other things but i just couldn't pinpoint what i've seen him in recently but again uh i didn't understand what he was saying oh uh harry potter that's what i've seen him most recently in uh, oh, okay. he he's just talking about is this irish or scottish i know it's filmed in scotland but are we in scotland or
0: ireland in this i uh, i believe it's scotland okay. like i said there's a lot of irish people in this yeah. movie like even like liam for instance he's playing scottish but you know it's it is what it is. Like <laughs> I'll allow it, goddamn. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, Peter Mullen. He does have a familiar face, actually. Um, I can't pinpoint where I've seen him before, but he—if you glance at his IMDb—he's uh, a very prolific actor. You've probably seen him many times. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, when like a couple shots before Liam gets to the pub, um, the folks from the fancy car uh, get out. And they, they scope out the pub. And we have a, a lingering shot on a, uh, a very young, very uh, shorn, uh, Billy Connolly. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Connolly is in the pub. And <laughs> to me, he just looks so weird without facial hair. Um and with his like big pompadour looking thing without any sideburns, yeah, he has no the sideburns. most ridiculous hair. No sideburns. No sideburns. I don't trust a ma- I don't trust a man without sideburns. I'm sorry. Nor should you. Nor um, should you. <laughs> rules to live by. If a man ain't got no sideburns, I keep your eye on him. He's up to no good. Um but i he- I couldn't help but like think of Jay Leno when I was looking at him. <laughs> Yeah, I can see that. Cuz he actually does have a bit of a prominent chin, and without the beard, it it makes it worse, and then he's got the the big fucking like pompadour/mullet. slash mullet. And it's also a he's mullet. Got, like it looks like a shark skin jacket on. It. <laughs> well, like he looks like he should be hanging out with Don Johnson or something.
1: Yeah, he's like the the my, uh what's his name? Uh, Michael J. Fox's uh best friend and teen wolf like this is the guy that's going to try to exploit him. <laughs>
0: yeah, um like I said, there's a lingering shot of Billy Connolly. No words are exchanged, but he and uh, the the people from the car, uh, one of whom is obviously quite wealthy, as that is a nice ass car, and one of whom is a pretty uh terrifying looking goon who I can't confirm. Um, but I think that might be the same guy from uh, Never Say, Never again. Mm. Um, it's the it's the uh, non-canon James Bond movie. It's the it's the Sean Connery Bond movie that he was contractually obligated to do. <laughs> oh, he is in.
1: Um, you've seen him in. Uh, damn
0: it, Indiana Jones. Oh, he, he's he's the big goon that he mm-hmm. fought multiple times across multiple movies. Correct. Okay. Yeah. More than likely, that is the same guy. Then his name um, is Pat Roach. Thank you for supplying me with the name. No I've always wanted to know that guy's name because he 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 plays the heavy very well. Like he's he's a good goon. He's he, great at it. He
1: and um, Liam Neeson's wife in this movie are both in the movie Willow, which I would I love to seen. do. I would love to do a uh, catching up on that, well, but it's hard to find right now. And he's in
0: Conan the Destroyer. Well, remember uh, Willow just got a Blu-ray uh, re-release not too long ago, and I have not seen it, but I'd very much like to. So maybe we'll do an episode on it very shortly. Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, we have a rich gentleman, a goon, and Billy Connolly. They're all hanging out in the pub before Liam gets there. Uh, so while while Liam is hanging out there, uh, Connolly duck, ducks into the into the restroom where the the rich gentleman happens to be, and we learn that this guy's name is Mister Mason, um, and he's one of the more prominent figures in this film. So it's important to keep that in your mind. Um, And immediately the two start uh, chatting about Liam. Uh, Mr. Mason is washing his hands and he asks, like, is is this guy really a tough guy? And through this conversation, we we can very easily piece together that um, the rich guy and the goon are casing Liam. Like they're they're watching him because they want him for something involving violence of some sort. Uh, we also learned that Billy Connolly is friendly with Liam Neeson, um, probably from a long time ago, but obviously they went down different roads in their life because Liam is unemployed and Billy Connolly's wearing fucking sharkskin jackets. <laughs> I mean, they're still um, pretty
1: tight. I feel like they've been getting pints at uh, Tennant's Lager for quite a while.
0: Yeah, before Billy Connolly steps into the restroom uh, to have this little chat with Mr. Mason, he does he does say hello to Liam and the two of them go back and forth and... No, they're chummy. Yeah. Um, But Billy Connolly actually has a pretty cool line here. And actually, I I caught a number of pretty good lines in this movie. I was was pretty happy with the writing. Um, Learning that it was based on a book, uh, that kind of makes some sense. Um, But when Billy Connolly is being asked uh, about Liam's fighting prowess, uh, he refers to him as a big man, uh, proud in victory, glorious in defeat. Um, So that points to Liam Neeson as being a a righteous figure, I guess. Was
1: Digstown based on a book or did we speculate I, that I, it might? Be?
0: I think it is. Um I think I remember seeing that in the credits. Uh, who the, the book fuck had is the title? Who is reading boxing books?
1: Uh me? <laughs> You're reading books like boxing books. Uh occasionally, yeah. <laughs> wow. I didn't I it's the, I didn't think there was a market for that.
0: Uh, it's very small. <laughs> uh, it's a very some, niche community. <laughs> yeah, it's a very niche category of, of novel, but, um, you know, some some pretty prominent writers have, have touched on boxing as, like, a, a favorite subject of theirs. It's actually... <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the human drama component of it that draws a lot of people to it. Um, I think you find a lot more think pieces of, and like non-fiction stories about boxing rather than, you know, novels or fictional stories. But it, it, it is a thing in literature. <laughs> wow. I was um, not aware of that. <laughs> you got it in. <laughs> Didn't even mean to. Um, yeah, you got your Wayne's World in there. Let's see if we can do it again. Um, so, Billy Connolly and Mr. Mason. Uh, Mr. Mason, who is played by Ian Bannon, who... I don't really recognize, uh, I, unlike you, I I think you've watched a lot more UK films than I have. Um, it's not something of, it's not something I have much experience with, which is part of why stuff like this is kind of fun for me just for the novelty. Um, I didn't really recognize this guy from anything. I was very happy with his performance. I liked him a lot. Um, however, I think he was, uh, Robert the Bruce's dad in Braveheart. Uh, I'm almost positive in fact. Yep, he is positive. the leopard. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I kind of And
1: figured. he's also in a movie that I've been looking to watch for a while now, Waking Ned Divine. Um
0: Oh, I have not seen that, but it has a I mean just the title alone, it just it it hits you. Yeah. Yeah, been meaning to watch that one for a while. It's like fried green tomatoes. It's like I have no fucking clue what that's about, but you know, I bet it's good. <laughs> You're fine. You don't need to you don't need to worry about uh, fried <laughs> green tomatoes. <laughs> it's okay. Um, it's okay. Uh, so Billy Connolly, whose character's name is Frankie, by the way, uh, Frankie and Mister Mason, they exit the restroom, uh, and then we get some lingering shots of the goon, um, and he's he's taken off his watch, uh, which is not a good thing in a you know a, a pub that's not friendly to outsiders. <laughs> uh, that's usually a sign that some shit's about to go down. Yeah, he's out of bubble gum. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's all out of bubblegum, and uh, you know what comes next. Um, so yeah, he he purposely, ov- like very obviously purposely, instigates a verbal conflict with uh, the motormouth guy that you were talking about. Yeah, I like um, his
1: uh, I like his line. Basically, the motormouth guy is going on about politics, which you're not supposed to do. Um, I find it, find it best to not talk about politics in a bar. It never (laughs) leads to anything good. (laughs) But you'd think that he's safe here in his little towny, you know, um, tenant's lager pub here. But the big guy just stares at him for a minute, and you know he's about to start some shit. Um, And I do like the line he gives him. He's like, won't you shut your mouth? He's like, open it again, I'll put a glass in it. I'm like, fuck, dude.
0: That's that's not good. I would shut up. Because this dude's a monster. Like, the guy yeah, that he, the, he's he's big and he's got that Robert Davi complexion where it's like oh he he knows how to fight. It's like <laughs> he's like Tex Cobb if Tex Cobb was just a a viking like if he was just a little <laughs> bit bigger it would be Tex Cobb. Yeah, there you go. That's a pretty good description. Um also it needs to be said I've been saying this for a long time um the more specific a threat is yes. I think the more convincing it is. I agree. And, if you illustrate exactly what it is you're going to do um you you better you better uh, take it take
1: it to heart <laughs> i'm gonna hang i'm gonna hang you from the tower from your balls like oh i think he's gonna do that because he's done yeah, that before I, he
0: he's he can visualize the step-by-step process that goes into doing that it's like uh no <laughs> if he just says he's gonna hit you or something or or ask you to fight or something so, okay that's like a that's an Empty threat. But if he illustrates exactly what he's going to do, back the fuck down. And I appreciate this guy,
1: like, he's he's at a loss for words here. He's just kind of looking at him like, this monster can do whatever he wants to me. Like, I can fight back, I could talk shit, but I'm going to have to go to the dentist tomorrow because I'm missing teeth. Because <laughs> this guy's going to do whatever he wants to me. And he, he kind of just looks at him like, fuck, I, there's nothing I can do. I have to stop talking. Mm-hmm. But all the patrons of uh, tenants lager are all paying attention to this and it's pretty quiet in there and Liam Neeson is actually just still you know looking down at his newspaper smoking his uh, roll your own cigarette mm-hmm. but alas he uh, he decides to engage
0: yeah Liam Neeson steps up to kind of back up his his little motormouth buddy and uh I forget what words are exchanged, but the the big goon guy, who is very obviously doing this to get Liam's attention, I mean, he was brought there by Mr. Mason, presumably to draw uh, Liam Neeson's character, uh, Danny Schooler, uh, into a fight. Uh, And we can can piece this together almost right away, that this is basically an audition. Yeah, Uh, He's auditioning for some sort of fight. Uh, So the goon turns his attention to Liam, uh, throws some nasty language at him, and i really loved the way this went down um this is very it felt like i don't know primitive like like old world mentality where uh the goon says some nasty stuff to liam neeson liam neeson just kind of stares at him we get some shots of just the other people in the pub watching this unfold and we actually get to see liam neeson like survey the room like he reads the room and he sees like oh man like now my pride's on the line. Well, pride's I, on the line. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of an interesting interesting situation. Remind, Winner <laughs> makes takes me think, it all. Lose yeah, it, it it makes me think of uh, Lethal Weapon 4. Oh when, uh, gosh. Mel Gibson and uh, Danny Glover are talking about um Jet Li that, right before right before they go fight him. That was fun. That was a fun scene. Oh, I loved it because yeah. like he's t- he's at, he's he's talking about how awesome it was when Jet Li took his pistol apart and Danny Glover just replies yep well let's go, go ask him. him let's go ask him <laughs> no let's go ask him let's go like ask how him. did he do Mel Gibson's like how did he do that like how did he do that and Danny Glover like they're because they're so tight with each other they they it's code speak and he just looks at him shrugs and says yep let's go ask which, him <laughs> which real is quick for wh- okay okay <laughs> Which one of the Lethal Weapon
1: movies has your favorite cold open? Not cold open, but favorite opening.
0: Favorite opening.
1: Because um, I'm going to say Lethal Weapon 2 it okay. has the best opening to the one of the Lethal Weapon movies.
0: Uh, 3, I've gone on record saying 3 is my least favorite of those movies, but it it's has awful. a pretty good one. It, it has a pretty good opener. Um, 4... I mean, four, come on, the flamethrower guy. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, That's pretty fucking great. That was pretty good. <laughs> no, I I think four for me personally. Uh, two, I, if I was to rank those movies, I, I think it goes uh, 2143. Four, 2143, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're in agreement then. Yeah. Riggs. Uh, so, <laughs> you're Martin Riggs? <laughs> Riggs? Are you Martin Riggs? Martin yeah. Riggs? Riggs? Uh, the the movie African just had the best accents. Feelings. Are fun. Um, <laughs> so,
1: real quick before we before we get too far into this, I just wanted to mention something. It has nothing to do with the movie, but um, I was watching this and the Irish accents were cracking me up here and there. And uh, I just wanted to ask you something. Do you remember? A, It might be one of Daniel Day-Lewis' best moments in a film. Um, In Gangs of New York, when uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Elliot from E.T., they're bringing the money there, and they're kind of gaining a little bit of uh, respect with Bill the Butcher. And that Irishman is not happy about how they got the money. And the Irishman calls them a couple of fiddle and bends. And, uh, (laughs) And... (laughs) <laughs> just immediately after that, the look that Bill the Butcher <laughs> gives to this guy, just the puzzled look, like, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> because even Leo's character is like, what? I don't know. What does that mean? But like, What it, part of Ireland are you from? <laughs> go back and find that clip and just look <laughs> at Daniel day Lewis's reaction to Fiddle and Benz. Uh, Cop- but, Coppola, Fiddle and Benz. Fiddle and Benz, <laughs> and he's just like, I think the music stops because even the biggest... <laughs> What do you say? But that's kind of how I felt here. I was just like, wait, what? What are they talking about now? What are you saying? Have you
0: ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? <laughs> yeah, like, what? <laughs>
1: that's, a, that's a really good movie, what? I think so, yeah.
0: I think that's my favorite what in cinema what? history. It's Michael Keaton because he gets the head cock and the squint at the same time. Though. What? What? Well, there was so much weight to that. He's like, I've heard that before, but what oh, the yeah, fuck does no, that mean? It's a genuine what. Like, what? That's familiar, and I'm also puzzled.
1: <laughs> yeah, but what you don't know is that that's not what he was reacting to. Tim Burton basically just said, Jack, uh, I need a good reaction out of Mike, so can you just say some crazy shit to get a, get a rise out of him? And it's not on the deleted scenes because you cannot hear what he asked him.
0: <laughs> uh, I bet you, like, they, they filmed that shot. And like Nicholson was just like out of makeup and everything it was like standing behind the camera or be, behind the, the lighting crew, just like shoot, like mooning him or something. <laughs> <laughs> and Keaton's just like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> oh. uh, so anyway, uh, we should get back to the big man. Yeah, the big man. Uh, instead of talking about these other better movies. <laughs> 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 um, so yeah, I really liked uh, Liam Neeson's reaction um, when he's being verbally accosted by this goon. And just those lingering shots of the villagers, it, it has, like, a very small-town feel to it, where it's, like, you can tell that he feels obligated to do something. And so, like, without any words exchanged, he just kind of, like, cocks his head towards the door. And uh, I think, I forget the name of the, the pub owner, but he just says, like, so-and-so doesn't like fights in his pub. And then, the like, the, the villagers all in the pub start cheering. Fuck yeah, and, dude, they are so and, jacked. They are so jacked because, like, I'm sure they get two channels on their TVs, and one of them don't have 24-hour radio.
1: They get the football channel and they get the news channel, and I think only three people in this whole village have a TV. So, yeah, this is the most entertaining
0: thing. They don't have HBO. Yeah, Billy, Billy the dog, is probably the biggest celebrity in town. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we step outside, and uh, right off the bat, like this, this is the first instance of, of it in the in the film as far as I know, but, uh, this whole outdoor sequence is bathed in a neon pink glow. I kind of, rem- I-, I can't see pink neon lighting without thinking of from beyond. Um, and it reminded me a bit of that, but it looks kind of funny, you know, in a, in a pretty much like pastoral Scottish, <laughs> like out outside of a pub scene. <laughs> um, and so Liam Neeson and this guy, they square off, uh, the, the fight is lit both by this uh, neon pink glow I'm guessing it's supposed to be coming from the neon signs uh, outside the pub. Uh, supposed to be. Uh, as well as the headlights of, the, of, the, of Mr. Mason's car. And uh, with one punch, uh, Liam Neeson puts this goon down. And that's it. <laughs> and, uh, real real pike Immediately move. following that uh, Mr. Mason pulls him aside and asks to speak with him.
1: Yes, not before the um, pub owner says, "Everyone, have a drink on me." Which I thought this was an Irish bar, which would have been a very bold statement. Uh, I guess this is Scottish. I think they're not as big of drinkers as the Irish, but uh, still, it's a uh, pretty bold, pretty bold there. Oh yeah, yeah. Everybody, <laughs> drink on me. Yeah.
0: He's like, yeah, I don't need to pay my taxes this month. <laughs> like, <laughs> Um, so, immediately following this, uh, we cut to Liam <laughs> arriving home. He's yeah. got Billy, Billy the dog on a leash, and he lets him off, uh, and lets him run the rest of the way home. And Liam is in a great fucking mood. He's like the uh,
1: dad from A Christmas Story when uh, he's getting a major
0: prize. Like, he comes home, it's tonight, tonight, it, tonight, it, it's, tonight. A <laughs> it's a major award! It's a major award! It must be Italian, you know? Um, And yeah, he's in a delightful mood. And, uh... There's a a neat little shot here of his wife's face, um, and she just like gives the smallest smile, but it it kind of tells you that it's like yeah this this lady really loved him like even though we'll see you later on, like they butt heads on some things like in in her heart, in her soul, she really does love her man uh, and Liam shows up with a handful of cash and he is he's so happy he's like waking up the kids. <laughs> He's he's that level of happy. It's Liam Neeson. He has wife security. Like
1: whatever wife he chooses, whatever last cho- he chooses to marry, she's not going
0: anywhere. Yeah, I mean that bone structure, that stature. He's a six foot
1: four handsome Irishman. Oh no, I'm sorry, honey. I can do better. I'm gonna go with Hugh Grant. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, 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 sure, sure.
0: <laughs> Seriously, six foot four, perfect bone structure, Irish, tall, drink a dick. Yeah. <laughs> It's lo- it's long and thin. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. I almost this take. Uh, I'm sorry, Kyle. You can't see I- my face. <laughs> I can't.
1: <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> oh uh, man, sorry. So yeah
0: um how about you tell us how the wife reacts to this wad, wad of cash as opposed to i got a job
1: well trevor i mean as you and i both know most american wives are pretty excited when their husbands go uh go out to pubs and decide that they're gonna fight for money but apparently in the uk uh they're not really fond of that so she's not too she's none too thrilled to find out that he's uh, well first of all i think he was supposed to be taking the dog for a walk not grabbing a pint and a cigarette down the road. <laughs> so the fact that he comes back with beer on his breath, and he's like, I'm going to fight for some money. And she's like, what the fuck? You don't have a job? You're at the pub with those other pieces of shit, smoking and drinking? And now you're fighting for money. So she's not too happy about it. And it it appears, though, that they're kind of hard up for money. Um, yeah. But she doesn't seem too concerned about it. Uh, I mean, they, they're they living pretty poor. And, but he doesn't really seem... It, he doesn't seem vain, is the thing. And it seems like they're well provided for. Like, they don't seem to be having money issues. So she's kind of like, I don't really think you need to do this. Like, I'm. She says later, like, I'm the breadwinner. Like, we're doing yep. fine. she
0: actually says, I'm the money.
1: I'm the money. And you are the. St- I think the thing is, is, I think he doesn't want to be a stay at home dad. We don't really. We don't get really the sense that he is a stay at home dad, but that. We kind of get a gist of that.
0: Well, yeah, we we pieced together, I mean, just based on his his uh, physical reaction to when he was when when a conflict was being instigated, we can tell that he has a measure of pride in him, like masculine pride. Uh and you know, not being the breadwinner is definitely something that sticks with him. In fact, uh I think uh the motormouth guy in the pub, uh he wasn't he wasn't exactly talking about politics, he was talking about um uh, a strike that was going on at the mine and uh, talking about unionizing. And uh, thro- throughout the course of the film, we, we learn that Liam Neeson was involved in a strike at the mine, and that's actually why he's unemployed right now. Um, so, yeah, he's not totally down with the idea of being a stay-at-home dad. Um, and they have a little spat. Um, <laughs> his reaction to it is to step out onto the porch and uh, have a smoke. And, and then he comes back inside and uh, they do the thing where husband and wife lay in bed with the kids with the kids in between them and they whisper to each other and she basically tells him like, you know we'll be alright Like, I I love you, you love me the Money's money shouldn't be your biggest concern.
1: You're tall, uh, it's nice and ropey, <laughs> you know we'll be okay
0: she's like, I'm happy I'll, I'll always be happy I don't know about you <laughs> Uh, And yeah, then they fuck. Um, Cut to Billy Connolly. Uh, Really fun tracking shot of him riding a bike in a tracksuit, and he's doing the. It's like a carnival barker almost, like he's he's riding through town and uh, talking about he's calling out to all the villagers like there's there's a big fight, it's coming soon, and uh, he refers to to Liam Neeson as the Mad Miner himself, Danny Schooler. So he's, he's the hype man, and he's got his uh, Eastern European tracksuit. <laughs> um, so he meets up with Liam Neeson, uh, and Liam goes out to do some road work. Uh, he's got his uh, Eastern European tracksuit on as well. Is it Eastern European? Because it feels pretty hardcore 90s, like late 80s, early 90s. Is it European? That could be true. I mean, that was a look, uh, I think, internationally. Oh, I had that sweatsuit, Trevor. I had that I'm sure people in Egypt were doing that too. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> it was just all over the world. Track Bright, multicolored tracksuits for all. Um, so, yeah, Liam goes out to do some road work. Uh, he's he's in it. Like, um, In fact, he told his wife what what the fight was and he refers to it as a bare knuckle fight and his wife's reaction is like since when are you a bare knuckle fighter when do you do that shit (laughs) yeah it's like maybe you did some sparring or something as a you know a conventional boxer but bare knuckle who the fuck does that it's like you got to be in with some badass people to do that
1: is this legal Um, danny is it legal (laughs) danny Danny is it legal? There's a lot
0: of Dannys in this movie, by the way. <laughs> he does not look like a Danny. Call him Daniel. No, I, I don't think he looks like a Danny if he has No. Me. What's his
1: name in Watch... Uh, not Watchmen. Uh, Dark Man.
0: <laughs> oh, Dan- Peyton.
1: Peyton? Okay, he's if more remember, of a Danny like, than he Peyton. is a Peyton. Peyton...
0: That's nobody's name. Nobody's name. <laughs> Peyton Manning. Peyton <laughs> that's Manning not is a name. Only. That's bullshit. <laughs> um... But yeah they do some road work uh and i couldn't help but notice that liam neeson runs like a little boy oh like his, his gait he looks like a child i don't know why <laughs> <laughs> he's too tall to run yeah he's too
1: tall to run <laughs> i bet he doesn't dance at weddings either i bet he's one of those guys
0: he's, well, he's like, probably that guy that has to like bend his knees when uh, he's holding the gal and I'm... it looks like he's just like looming over her I'm too masculine like, like, for... It's like watching Bigfoot dance with a child or something. <laughs> I'm too <laughs> masculine to dance with weddings. <laughs> That's
1: not how do it sounds. It. I can't do it. Did Schindler's List come out in 93? This movie came out three... about. He was filming this about three or four years before Schindler's List, if I'm not mistaken.
0: I think you're right. Wow. Because Schindler's List was being filmed concurrently with Jurassic Park, so that sounds <sighs> about right. That's crazy how yeah. he went from this movie to Schindler's List. It's that bone structure, dude. Man. I that think a- that's... My mom always said that that's why I liked him even when I was a kid. It's like, you just like his nose. I was like, yeah, really? I kind of do. I never... Yeah.
1: He, he never... He was never an actor that I cared for. Like, like my parents would watch his movies. And I'm like, I don't really give a shit about this guy. Rob Roy. That was the movie I remember watching with
0: my parents. Oh, dang. You saw that... How old were you when you saw that? I was more of a Morgan Freeman head. I was young. Uh, Damn, I mean, that that movie has some nasty stuff in it.
1: Because I liked liked Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, but I don't like Kevin Costner. I didn't like Kevin Costner as a kid. I liked Morgan Freeman's character in that movie more.
0: Odd. I liked Alan Rickman. (laughs) You didn't. Yeah, I mean, that's... Alan Rickman was a a joy in that film. Yeah. like He he knew what movie he was in. Everyone else, I'm not so sure, but he was like, yep. This no. is crap. Kevin Costner <laughs> didn't
1: know what movie he was in. He doesn't know how to do an English accent.
0: <laughs> and then there's Christian Slater, who's just like, doing. His I'm just going to be Christian Slater. <laughs> I'm just going to do my really thin uh, Jack Nicholson impression. I think it's just how he
1: talks. People give him shit about that, like he's just doing a Jack. I think it's just how he talks, guys. It's not a Jack Nicholson I, impression. I
0: think it is, but, you know, <laughs> it's like, I'm then, sorry, you're, you're not Jack. and what? You should probably make every... Every effort to not, to not try to be Jack. Yeah, <laughs> <Heard> <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to forever go through your career as Jack Light.
1: He's actually on Archer uh, in the later in the later seasons as a character.
0: Well, he does have a distinctive voice. I mean, I I feel like he should do more of that if he hasn't already. He's probably done some Robot Chicken. I could see that. Yeah, I, I could totally see that. In fact, so um, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say. Uh, we go out, we do some road work, uh, and then we end up at a coal factory or something. And so well, it's basically the mine.
1: He, uh, oh, yeah, 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 He, he's out there. Uh, Billy Connolly, it, it cracks me up that all these guys are just riding bicycles around. Uh, <laughs> I had in my head that this was an Irish movie. I'm like, yeah, figures, Irish, too many DUIs. They all got to ride bikes around because <laughs> their driver's <laughs> license is revoked. That's so bad, Kyle. I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's terrible. Uh, that's just what was going on in my head, but uh, yeah, they're out at the old mine, and uh, again, I couldn't really hear what they were saying. But uh, what what is the exchange he has with Billy Connolly here?
0: Um, basically. I mean I didn't get all the fine details of it too cuz Billy Connolly speaks very fast and they they both got these thick accents going. In fact, Liam Neeson is trying to do a Scottish something or other. Is he? But he he's just so Irish. <laughs> like he just can't help it. Liam Neeson is one of those actors that you do not ask him to be anything but Irish. What's his just, accent? What's his <laughs> accent in Schindler's List? I've never seen it. I can't attest gosh,
1: to it. You shouldn't have said that on the air. You might want to edit that out after yeah, you I know. might
0: <laughs> I might have to. They might come for me. <laughs> I mean
1: if would if you were on if I ever see you like just in passing like on a date, I'm like,
0: Oh Trevor's in there on a date
1: right now. I think I'm gonna go in there and tell her that he hasn't seen Chandler's list. <laughs> oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs>
0: she'll throw she'll throw water in my face. Oh gosh. She's I like, just, No, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, actually, if if she didn't have a reaction, um, then I might then I might have to walk out on her. What? Like, hang on, you're 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 not upset that I haven't seen Schindler's List? It's like okay, date over. You,
1: <laughs> do you know what Schindler's List is? No. Have you seen Jurassic Park? No. Is that what Chris
0: Pratt? <laughs> 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 it's like you know, um, I don't think this, this is gets, gonna work out. I, I've had a really great time. <laughs> oh man. It would be more like, no, you'd have to go big on that one. You'd have to, like, flip the table and just, like, point at her and do the the invasion of the body snatchers. <laughs> we uh,
1: I was working at my buddy's restaurant, and we had a very young girl who was working there, and she was a film major, which uh, I was like, oh, interesting. We I tried to talk to her about movies and stuff like that, but um, she was too grounded in, like, movies now. So uh, she was talking about a friend of hers who went and saw... Um, Blade Runner, it was around when Blade Runner 2049 was in theaters so oh, she's like we started talking about Blade Runner at work and she's like my friend went and saw that she said that 2049 was way better than the original I'm like whoa what what are you <laughs> what are you saying and uh, said, yeah they said it's so much better I'm like have you seen it yet she's like no I, I haven't seen it I'm like what the fuck are you talking about go, <laughs> go watch the movie then have an opinion and they're also wrong 2049 is great but it's not better
0: uh, yeah I don't know what to make of that it's like first question that comes to mind is why did you watch it <laughs> like knowing full well that it's a sequel to a to a a groundbreaking film that has influenced so much
1: ground why would you do that to yourself
0: <laughs> uh so the exchange at the coal mine is basically that uh it's just a character moment wherein we can see that uh, Liam is kind of lamenting his his loss of his career as a fucking miner, I guess. Like, You can tell based on his connection to the community that uh, he felt some sort of solidarity in working there or something. It was like home for him. Whereas Billy Connolly uh, has dreams of, you know, he has aspirations that are greater than that. And I think he even mentions that he wants to, he's been to America and he finds it Finds that lifestyle more appealing. He's so like, stay he's
1: positive, a, like the Americans do.
0: <laughs> yeah, that comes in a little later, but yeah, he's he's a hot dogger. He wants to hit it big, and we, from a visual standpoint, that's been demonstrated to us just based on his attire. Um, so Liam is, you know, the consummate like humble villager. Billy Connolly wants to be something more. So, following their exchange at the coal mine, uh, Liam oh. comes home with Connolly in tow, and uh, as it turns out. Uh, his wife left a note for him, uh, not, not a happy note either. Uh, she took the kids, uh, we don't actually see what's written on the note, but presumably she wasn't happy with him taking the bare knuckle fucking fight. And, uh, she took the kids, uh, I think to go live with her parents for a little while. Uh, I like Billy Connolly's reaction to this. He's like, stay put. I'll put the tea on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's Scotland, then, dude.
0: They don't drink They don't drink alcohol for everything like in Ireland. <laughs> I just like that, though, where he's like, I know this is really traumatic. Stay put. I got the tea. You'll be fine. <laughs> uh, so cut to Mr. Mason, and uh, he is watching a horse race, and there's a sunglassed man in the room with him who, much, much, much later, we learn his name is Mr. Coven, uh, and they're talking about gambling. And uh, just based on uh, Mr. Mason's face acting, we can tell that... Uh, Gambling and things of this nature seem seem to bring him some sort of joy. Uh, that sort of thing
1: bring... is his bag, baby.
0: Yeah, he, he revels in it. Yeah, uh, and also based on his reaction to the horse race, just again with his face, no words are expressed. Um, we can tell that he lost a bet on one of the, on this horse race, and uh, Mister Coven <laughs> gets up and his like whispers in his ear, and basically like, uh, "I hope you." Pick fighters better than you do horses, because uh, you just lost. <laughs> uh, so from that, we learned that the two of th- these two are uh, betting on the bare knuckle contest. Uh, so Mr. Mason's fighter is Liam, and Mr. Coven's fighter has yet to be seen.
1: I think we can make a supercut of this in Digstown. I think you could you could splice in some uh, some Bruce Dern and uh, oh, what's his face? I can't even think of it now. Oh, James Woods? James Woods, yeah. I think you can make a super cut of this movie.
0: <laughs> oh, man, that would be awesome. The big man The big man meets Digstown? Or the big man goes to Digstown? Digstown, yeah. The big man goes to Digstown. <laughs> yeah, that should be a like a, a 30, 40 years later sequel. Where, like Mr. Mason pulls up in his car into Digstown <laughs> and Robert Guillaume comes out to visit him. <laughs> I would like a third. Like, who who do we have here?
1: I would <laughs> like a thirty for thirty uh on Lou Gossett Jr.'s character in, Oh, uh, that would be amazing actually. Right? Thirty for thirties with um uh with fictional boxers <laughs> fictional athletes. They did athletes. that
0: with Rocky Ford, didn't
1: they? I don't know. Still uh Steam and Willie Beeman, maybe? That would be I would watch that one.
0: No, I'm almost positive they, they actually did that um, with Rocky IV, where they told the story of uh, Rocky Balboa going to Soviet Russia to fight Ivan Drago in an exhibition. Um, Speaking of that's Ivan That's an amazing Drago. idea, though. Speaking of Drago? Yeah. Um, uh, we'll get to it, though. <laughs> oh, did so. you have something to say about that?
1: <laughs> uh, when we were introduced to who... Um... Uh, Liam Neeson's gonna be fighting in this movie. He's watching him through a fence, and I'm just like, oh, he's gonna fight Drago, huh? <laughs> I just always, I always associate the opponent with Drago.
0: Okay, I, I could see that. I mean, it's Drago's the the consummate like uh, overwhelmingly physical opponent. Yeah, here. just like from an aesthetic standpoint, it's like there's no fucking way. Remember it's like, Mark, uh, Mark it's Wall, like your boy the mountain or whatever.
1: Remember Marky Mark when he was gonna fight that guy in the fighter, his mom. And his brother were like, nah, he's been on the couch. He's, you know, he's just been sitting around doing shit. And then they pop that robe off and he, look, he looks <laughs> like he's on steroids. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. He doesn't look like he's been on the couch. Like, no, 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 you're fine. You're fighting up. I think he was fighting up like 10 pounds, maybe 15 pounds even.
0: Uh, I'm not sure. I can't remember exactly which contest that was supposed to be. That's um, when he got his ass I, beat. I, I, I will go on record and say that, like, the biggest sin committed by that film... Is uh, that it didn't have Arturo Gotti in the story? Like you gotta have Arturo Gotti in there cause that yeah. that was like that was like the the high water mark of Mickey Ward's career. I mean, he had multiple fights of the year, but his trilogy with Gotti was like it's like half a why I'm a fucking boxing fan. <laughs> gotcha. Um, but I can't remember which contest the one with the guy who came in uh, like heavier than him. I can't remember who that was supposed to be, but more than likely they weighed in, they weighed in the same size, but somebody hit that pedio light or whatever real hard <laughs> no they told him to.
1: they 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 his uh, mom and his brother uh said that he was oh, gonna they, make they weight threw him
0: in there like at a higher weight yeah they threw him in at a higher weight okay he was, it was probably like 154 and uh mickey i think the bulk of his career was at 140 and you know guys guys around that weight range just because they show up 140 uh they're probably going to show up like Near one sixty on fight night. So if you're if you're fighting a guy who's naturally one fifty four, he's probably going to show up like one seventy ish. Wow. Oh uh, yeah, that's big difference. Like I thought it was really funny actually that Mickey Ward was a hundred and forty pound fighter, and Marky Mark shows up all super jacked. It's yeah, like, two hundred. You don't really you don't really look much like Mickey Ward, but okay. You look About <laughs> two fifteen, you look like a heavyweight. Yeah, you look a little bloated for a hundred and forty
1: pound guy, but.
0: Uh, Fucking Marky Mark. You look a little
1: hgh for, uh for 145. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, so, sorry, we got sidetracked there. Um, took the mom, took the kids to the mom's, and uh, I think he goes to his job interview now.
0: Yeah, uh, Liam's definitely depressed, but you can tell that um, his wife leaving did, did push him in a certain direction, where it's like, oh, man, I gotta get my family back. So, even though he... Missed the interview because it was the day that he had the fight at the pub. Uh, he puts on a jacket and he goes anyway, uh, which is kind of a weird thing to do, but it shows that he's trying to make up for it. Um, so he shows up and what kind of a business did this look like? Like a, a is it like a laundry or a dry cleaner or something?
1: It looks like a, um, like, a, like they would do, um, Dry cleaning for like restaurants and stuff like that. Like we do yeah. linens and napkins. It just looked like a lot, like a lot of big stuff, a lot of big bags. Yeah. So something they, like that. They probably have to do deliveries for restaurants and stuff like that. But I mean, how far away is the nearest restaurant?
0: Yeah, I know. Like that, this village clearly doesn't have much in the in the way of. You know, I mean, up upscale or large restaurants that would require. I mean, they kind of stuff.
1: They eat what looks like fish and chips out of paper. At somebody's out of, house, it looks out like of somebody's wads house. of paper. Yeah. That, yeah, that
0: looked like a house, by the way. Um, so yeah, Liam shows up, and uh, the interviewer is a little puzzled because he's like, "Your interview was yesterday. What are you doing here?" Um, but he humors him, and he tries to poke Liam about his work experience, of which he seems to have none as a driver. Um, Liam does have thirteen years of experience as a coal miner, but. This this gentleman doesn't seem to care much about that, um, and he does comment that uh, Mister. Neeson has a criminal record. Um, it's, it's not criminal; it's political. Yep, that was that was Liam Neeson's retort. Not a criminal record; a political record. Um, and I mean, we can tell right from the get go this isn't going to go well. No. Uh, Interviewer is very dismissive of, of him. Liam picks up on the scent so he actually mocks the interviewer and shows him his ass says like you know i think i got my ass trained up to be a driver is that enough and yeah it doesn't end well um and then liam storms off because he can tell that you know this ain't going anywhere no uh and on his way out he's doing some like head movement drills on, some shit, on yeah fixtures in the ceiling so you can tell like just from a visual standpoint that's like yep okay he's all in on fighting now gotta be um uh, at this point, um, a couple of important pieces of information are doled out. Uh, one of, uh, Mr. Mason's goons is driving alongside Liam while he's doing his road work. And, uh, he, he leaks the, uh, the name of Liam's op- opponent. Uh, it is Cuddy Dorson, which, uh, anybody, anybody by the name of Cuddy, uh, probably don't want to fuck with. <laughs> no. And then, uh, then we get the scene that Kyle had, had mentioned earlier where, uh, Liam and, and Billy Connolly are eating. They're eating something, and it took me a second to realize what it was, because it just looks like white flakes of something. And they're like standing in front of what looks like a house, and they have these wads of paper that they're eating white flecks of shit from. And it, it brought me back to green street hooligans where i'm like what the fuck are they eating <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh i think i figured out what um bovver was eating in green street hooligans um i think what they're eating in this is fish and chips because you can get fish and chips just well in newspaper um, I,
0: I figured it out because the the next shot is pulled back a bit and there's some neon signage that says fish and chips, oh, and on it it, fish so. and chips? okay yeah um, so they were eating fish and chips i think Bavar was eating indian food it was either indian food or mashed peas
1: I think, I think it was sog, because I just had sog a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, that's okay, what Bobber yeah, they was They do in. have
0: that green sauce. I think it was sog. Okay, so. I hope it was, because if it was mashed peas, it's like... That's, that's disgusting. No fucking disgusting. That's fucking disgusting, Bobber.
1: No. <laughs> you, should, you should be ashamed of yourself. For more than one reason. <laughs>
0: um, and then I th- believe we cut to Mr. Mason. He's at a giant church or like a library or something. Yeah, uh, he's not... Exa- He's it's a library, a but he's not <laughs> hes
1: not in a church, and he's not in a library for any good reason. So,
0: Yeah, I, I don't exactly know why he's here. This seems like, like a place where you'd hand something off to someone, maybe. But he's just hanging out in there, and uh, the fella that leaked the name to Liam Neeson of uh, Cuddy Dorson, uh he shows up, and he reports that, you know, Liam's conditioning's looking good. He's doing his road work and stuff. Uh, but he'd probably be doing better if he had a reason to fight yeah and as we've seen early, from earlier instances in the film uh danny schooler uh seems to be fueled by his his righteous instincts i guess like he seems to be a person who tries to toe the line as if are sure. the line <laughs> and you know be a good person whenever he can. Uh, and at this point, we get a parade. I, yeah. thought this was, I thought this was—I thought this was kind of cute. Like, I, I enjoyed this scene.
1: I'm assuming this is what happens every time McGregor goes to fight. Like Ireland just goes fucking nuts. Um, oh, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, he gets the. He gets the towny parade. They're all, you're fucking awesome, uh, Danny. Uh, we don't really know what you're going to go do, but you're going to yeah, do no the ju- fight. <laughs> Like, no
0: shit. Like, they don't even know what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> no
1: clue what he's going to go do, but you're going to go fight. I hope it's licensed. We'd love it if it were licensed, but we'll take it if it's not. Uh, <laughs> and they just a bunch of old ladies. I think it's just a bunch of people who have a crush on him. Um,
0: well, he's the tallest, lankiest Irishman in this Scottish village, so yeah, furriest
1: penis. Uh, <laughs> it's
0: wiry, <laughs> it's wiry. wiry, it's wiry, but it's fierce. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, so, yeah, so uh, after the parade, um, he's doing some training and he spies on Ivan Drago. Uh, oh, that comes Cuddy. a little later. How, oh, yeah, really? Because that's L- my next little now, later. so
0: little bit later. I
1: have no idea um, what happens next, then.
0: Uh, we arrive in Glasgow. Yeah. I just wanted to point out the aesthetic difference between the village and Glasgow. Because, like, the the color palette changes drastically. Does everything, it? Everything becomes more dingy and just dark,
1: I guess. Well, there's like, stuff. I mean, there's stuff in Glasgow. There's nothing where he lives. There's
0: Yeah, where he lives, though, like, usually the sun is out for the most part, and... There's a lot more greens, uh, whereas Glasgow, it's it's just kind of gloomy, like it has that stereotypical like London fog kind of look to it. Um, and and the walls of his seedy hotel are purple. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: they've uh, uh, in Train Spotting, they stay in a very similar hotel. And
0: when I was watching this, I'm like, huh, that's just like the Train Spotting hotel. Uh, well, there there's a bridge in this movie that I'm curious if it has any connection to Lockstock. Yeah.
1: <laughs> It does look like it, doesn't it?
0: It does kind of look like the bridge. Uh, it's probably not, but just it's a bridge and it's in the UK. And that shows you how much experience I have with UK locations. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, then we go to training and Liam is put through his paces at this boxing gym. Uh, we get to see him do some mitt work. Uh, we do some uh, cross cutting between him training on the mitts, him sparring, and. Uh, an overhead shot of his hands being wrapped. It's a nice little montage. I like
1: that little. I like that piece. That was yeah. That was nice.
0: No, I, I enjoyed the editing in the sequence, um, and I also enjoyed that uh, he looks good on the mitts. But when he's sparring, uh, he gets he's getting up his,
1: pretty good. He's getting his ass beat by this guy. This guy is also like five eight too. Like he's he's much shorter than him.
0: Yeah, and I mean you can tell from the way this the sequence was shot it's like yeah he, he there was some contact going on there he had headgear on but um this guy was tuning him up um and i like that because it demonstrates it's like you know this this guy knows how to fight he has fought um but his heart's not in it at this point so he's he's got the mechanics down but the spirit's not there um and by the way i believe we were told earlier that the reason he went to prison is because he punched a cop uh during one of the one of the strikes at the coal mine,
1: that sounds very familiar. Oh, that's the excuse that Robert De Niro gives um, Nick Nolte's assistant in or colleague in uh, Cape Fear. He's like, "Oh, there was a strike, you know, and I just got a little rough with one of the cops." And then, holy shit, does that does that go dark pretty quick? <laughs> real quick. If anybody tells you, like, oh, no, I was just in prison for a strike and I just popped a cop and they put me in prison for that, nope. Don't trust that.
0: Yeah, there might be a couple more chapters to that story that you haven't been informed of. (laughs) He's gonna bite your cheek off, yeah. Uh, So at this point, we meet Ivan Drago, and uh, would you like to describe Cuddy Dorson for us?
1: Yeah, he's a piece of shit. Um, He's... uh, You don't really get a good visual look. He just kind of looks... Like uh, We're
0: seeing him through a gate at yeah. distance.
1: So what I took from this scene was that he's just hitting the punching bag outside. It's cold outside. I mean, he's not as warmed up as he could be. And he's, he's putting some moves on this bag. He's also, does he, I know he kicks it and knees it, but does he headbutt it as well?
0: Yes, he does.
1: I was surprised. I didn't see any headbutting when they actually do fight. I know There, that's,
0: there are a couple. I didn't really I, notice it. It's it's not a huge element to the choreography, but there are a couple uh, from both players actually.
1: I know that's a big one. I know that's one that you kind of have to catch in regular box. Well, that was the problem with uh, Tyson versus Holyfield was that Holyfield kept headbutting him, and Tyson yeah, yeah, yeah. And Tyson was like, "Hey, he's he's headbutting me," so his well he got back with him was he bit his ear. No, uh,
0: Holyfield was known to lead with his head. Um, I used to joke that like. the they need to like put a third glove on his head. <laughs> on his head. <laughs> it's like he's got three arms in there. <laughs> well, I mean, this is this is bare knuckle boxing. This is just a hair
1: shy of a street fight, you know. Yeah. Um, and there's not a lot of repercussions if you break the rules. Um, so yeah, he's he's practicing a little bit, and I think he's kind of like, well, fuck. He's like hitting. He's like kneeing the bag, and like, well, it's fucking bare knuckle boxing, dude. We're gonna have to change your game up a little bit. This isn't uh, this isn't licensed.
0: Yeah. Um. The the commentary from a liam's handlers at this point is uh while they're watching Cuddy dorson tune up this uh this heavy bag outdoors um one of them mentions that dorson has a fucked eyeball like one of his eyes is gone basically i mean it's still in the socket but it doesn't function and uh he apparently was a professional boxer at one point but when his eye went out so did his career um and then we go back to the gym and they explain some of the rules to liam uh, that basically the rounds go until somebody falls down, uh, and yeah, the 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 rule set for what types of strikes are allowed is very lax, <laughs> very um. lax, <laughs> very lax. And in fact, uh, Liam Neeson's a uh, sparring partner uh, does some of that dirty shit to him, and his reaction to it, like being basically kneed in the stomach and tripped, uh, is not he's not too happy about it. No. And in fact, I believe his reply when they tell him what the rules are he's like i'll I'll beat him by the book and I loved uh i guess you'd call it his trainer or his corner man um his uh his response to this comment is uh <laughs> when when you're up to your eyes in blood and shite, son, you'll be no gentleman <laughs> so he's basically letting him know that it's like uh maybe you don't understand what you've gotten yourself into yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, immediately following this we can see that Liam's uh he's in a pissy mood. I mean, I would be too if I was getting beat up and sparring every day and um <laughs> and having, you know, go out running and have to like manage my diet. Basically, if I was living as a fighter, I, you know, there's a reason why those people live Spartan lifestyles. It's because it puts a it gives you that mean streak that you need when when you need to call on it. <laughs> Um, but but uh, Liam says Billy the dog farts in the night and it's it's pissing me off <laughs> so he tries to hand the dog off to Billy Connolly <laughs> fucking Billy Connolly um... yeah. so he gives him the dog and he says take this to my wife because the fucking dog keeps farting at night and it's keeping me up <laughs> 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 like no joke that's what he says he needs to sleep Yeah, he needs to sleep god damn it uh, so Billy Connolly tries to take Billy the dog back to uh, Beth, uh, Liam Neeson's wife, uh, and he shows up just in time to see her leaving her parents' house to go galvanting about town with Hugh fucking Grant. Hugh
1: Grant. I saw his name in the titles. I'm like, well, I can't be the same Hugh Grant. No, no, That's yeah, it what is. I
0: thought, too. I was like, 1990. That, I mean, wasn't he a big deal at the time? It's like, No, he, he was almost a big deal. But yeah, Hugh fucking Grant is hanging out with Liam Neeson's wife. Uh, I would not want to be Hugh Grant when Liam Neeson finds you. <laughs> <laughs> but he never does. Um, so, yeah, I didn't even
1: realize it was her. Um, I was watching him like, okay, Hugh Grant's co-. I thought they were introducing Hugh Grant. I didn't realize they were showing that the wife was going out with Hugh Grant. I'm like, oh. So later when she shows up at the bar, I'm like, oh, that's his wife. Okay, Hugh oh. Grant's not important <laughs> in this. Because I'm, I'm used to Hugh Grant being important in a
0: movie. Um, yeah, actually, it, it's very strange seeing him in a movie, for me anyway, um, where he doesn't really factor into the plot at all. Like, he's in maybe three scenes and he speaks maybe once. Hmm. Um, so, Mason, uh, Mr. Mason, that is, and uh, Danny Schooler, uh, they have a talk in the gym and this, this is kind of a pivotal conversation where Mason's basically trying to spell out that uh, life is hard and being righteous doesn't really pay off like your your objective in life should be to get a leg up not to not to be a good person um he and he has some pretty good fucking lines in here like god's a fucking hard case look at how he works and uh at this point liam uh mason asks him uh have you ever lost a fight and liam neeson confesses that the only fight he's ever lost was to his dad Uh, and he basically tells a story about Uh, he was like a young man Uh, he was in a foul mood or was feeling particularly invincible in that moment and he just struck his father (laughs) Uh, and then his dad took him out back and beat the shit out of him Uh, seems like he had it coming Um, and he said that the lesson he learned from that moment was that if you can't fight for a good reason then keep your hands in your pockets that's what his dad told him (laughs) uh, I I loved Mason's reply to this because just this notion of like adhering to your your moral code and being righteous uh, mason replies to him like for a man that's an un- unemployed you sure have a taste for luxuries <laughs> 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 i was like yeah that wow that's cutting <laughs> uh, so at this point uh billy Connolly, did you happen to notice his his clothes in this scene when he's walking the dog
1: he did have some pretty terrible uh, articles of clothing throughout this movie. Um,
0: I think this is probably the most hideous. I didn't notice his outfit in this particular
1: instance, but I did notice um, at one point, like, wow, that is an awful outfit.
0: That uh, was probably this one, because it's a purple suit with, like, a gaudy flower print tie. And he's walking Billy the dog, and he's trying to think of what to do with the dog, because he was supposed to give it to Beth. He was supposed to give it to Liam Neeson's wife, but... Uh, he was scared off when he saw Hugh Grant. Uh, so what does he do with the dog, Kyle? Well, uh, he says, don't piss on my shoes. And I thought it was pretty
1: funny. <laughs> don't piss on my shoes. I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, but <laughs> I'm watching this with my girlfriend and my dogs, mind you. And he has the dog's leash around his neck and he's standing at a bridge. my girlfriend's like, is he going to hang the
0: dog? Like, what the <laughs> fuck is this about, Trevor? Are you kidding me? Oh, man. I thought I was that bad a person?
1: I'm like, okay. So, I'm like, well, maybe maybe not. Maybe he's just thinking about it. And then he throws the dog off the bridge. Both my girlfriend and I were like, what the fuck, dude? You didn't need to throw the dog off the bridge. And you didn't need a dog in this movie. It was, very, it was a very frustrating movie for me to watch because of the dog. Just because the dog was in almost every scene. And every scene, and my dogs go crazy.
0: Yeah, we uh, like I said, uh, we haven't really highlighted it that much, but Billy the dog, the one who farts at night, um, was in pretty much every sequence that featured Liam, Se- Liam Neeson up to this point in the film. Seriously, he's, um, he's, he's, he's ever running with him, he's half.
1: walking with him to the car, he's everywhere. Um, so he throws the dog off the bridge, and I think we can go, come back to Liam Neeson's hotel room, or wherever he's uh, staying.
0: We go to a party first. What party? Uh, It's just a shindig that Mr. Mason threw. Uh, It's it's like a... It's like a a Coke party, basically. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Billy Connolly takes Liam Neeson in there. They're both suited up. Connolly's there to, you know, get himself a gal. Liam's just like, what happened? Like, did you get the dog to my wife? Billy Connolly tells him a lie. And uh, then we head back to the hotel, and Connolly has himself a woman. Uh, Liam just wants to fucking sleep. Um... Connelly gets to fucking, and uh, next door, Liam is looking out the window out into the rainy streets, and he sees a a fight going on, and uh, his reaction to it, like, his body language suggests that he wants to go do something about it, because he, like, makes a move for the door, like, to head outside. And then, sure enough, uh, Billy the dog, who farts at night, uh, shows up in front of his door in the hotel. Steph and I were very relieved to see the dog made it back. As was I. Probably not as much so, but... (laughs)
1: Yeah, Billy the dog lives. Yeah, so he, uh, Liam Neeson, he's pretty pissed. He's like, uh, he told me the dog made it over there. What the fuck is the dog here? So he goes over to Billy Connolly's room uh, as he's uh, pleasuring a lady and uh, confronts he, him about it.
0: Yeah, he extracts him from her and, uh, yeah, confronts him. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you've got him pinned up against the wall and he's questioning him and he's like oh god damn it I, I just didn't want to go all the way over there or whatever can I put my pants on and he's like no fuck that and uh, uh, Liam like, I'm sorry all
0: I heard was hoi cha cha toy hoi pretty much
1: and Neeson's like you know what fuck this I'm not gonna do the fight I think that's what he's basically getting at he's like No, I'm not gonna do it
0: yeah Liam storms off you can tell he's not in it at all and he heads off to a bar this doesn't look like a pub this is like a bar
1: this um, is, yeah this is like a strip club
0: yeah essentially in fact there this is where the pink lighting comes back again and we get this funny little sequence where uh, he sits down next to the, i believe it's an indian gentleman uh, at the bar and i don't know they, they just kind of sit there together um and then we cut back to the hotel and uh, pretty <laughs> pretty pretty Mr. Mason uh, walks in on Billy Connolly, who is getting a what appears to be a blowjob uh, with the woman under the covers. So you can't see her there; you just see his head, and the covers are like up to his his chest. And uh, Mr. Mason sits down on the bed, and this woman's head emerges from under the covers. And Mr. Mason tells her, "Don't mind me, Sandra." And she just says, "Goes back up." Like, she just says, "Yes, Mr. Mason," and she goes back down gets back to work apparently but just the nonchalant nature of it where he just like walks in he's just like don't mind me go go back to to (laughs) work it's like (laughs) proceed um and he he wants to know what happened to liam because he saw that he left the party with billy Connolly, but he doesn't know where he is right now um and obviously he has some level of investment in him uh so we cut back to liam nason at the bar with this indian guy and uh classic bar talk they're just talking back and forth about great uh great scots throughout history like great inventors and deeds of scots and they're just listing shit off and i was like that's kind of (laughs) cute like that seems like a conversation you'd have in a bar yeah maybe um and then liam neeson discovers his wife hanging out with hugh grant downstairs uh they don't see each other but he sees them and uh he storms out billy Connolly chases him outside we have a pretty cool tracking shot that goes under a bridge yeah i like this shot yeah it's like mostly dark because it's it's under a fucking bridge and the bridge is only like eight nine feet above them so it's like it's a very low hanging bridge it's completely shrouded in darkness and uh liam neeson's like just totally out of it he doesn't want anything to do with this fight anymore um so remember uh remember what was told to mr mason um In order to get Liam Neeson to perform, you know, to the best of his capabilities, he needs a reason to fight.
1: Yeah, so they Uh, take, yeah, breakfast time. They have to say breakfast time. They take him to. uh, It it, it was really weird the way they cut to this next scene. I was like, what the fuck is happening now? Like, who who is this? And they this kid's running up, and there's some people standing up on a, a little bit of a cliff, not much. There's a fire there's a barrel,
0: drop-off. so you know they're up to no good.
1: Yeah, there's a fire barrel, and it's uh, Mr. Mason and a couple of other people, and Liam Neeson, and this kid comes up and uh, he's like, "Hey, Donnie, whatever, uh, pull up your arm, pull up your uh, your shirt there," and he shows his arm, and uh, he's got track marks in there. Um, and he's like, "Yeah, been uh, feeding you that junk." He's like, "Yeah, it's that uh, that guy that you're gonna be boxing." Uh, and he's like, "Oh yeah, oh, okay. How, how old are you, by the way?" He's like, "Oh, I'm I'm 13." And he's like, "Well, here here's a few bucks. We'll get you something to eat. And basically, just you know, to get a rise out of Liam Neeson." Like, look, is he this guy that you're gonna fight. I mean, it's, it's this guy he's selling heroin to kids. Like, I grew up here. Like, I feel something for these kids. You know? Yeah. Um, we're doing it
0: for the chill. We're doing man. it for the children. Doing it for Johnny. We've got two for Johnny, man. Do it for We've got two for Johnny. Ugh. Fucking outsiders. Did you have to watch that in school, by the way? Yeah, yeah, I did too. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> that's that cast is stacked.
1: It is a. St- it might be one of the most stacked cast. I mean, uh, that might be Black Hawk Down. I think is the <laughs> only other cast that's that
0: stacked. I mean, yeah. In terms of number of recognizable faces, Black Hawk Down is. Very high up there. Saving Private Ryan also. In I fact, think any any war movie really.
1: I don't know. Giovanni Ravisi and um, Giovanni Ravisi and uh, Vin Diesel were like unheard of to me at that point. And Hopham. but everybody yeah, in mean, uh, Outsiders was. Nathan me. Fillion and uh, Nathan. T-
0: F- oh yeah, Nathan is in there. Yeah, and Ted Danson, might have Danson. Everybody knew though. Maybe it's, I think it's a toss between Black Hawk Down and, and Saving Paul Park. Giamatti. I don't think was too much of a thing too at the same time. I knew
1: who he was. Actually, he does stand out because he should not be in that movie. Like he just doesn't—he doesn't fit in there. I mean, he does fine, but you're just like Paul Giamatti. Oh,
0: I, I mean, he's—he's he's grumbling about his his shins the whole time. Hitchhiker <laughs> in my shoe. I've been here yeah, for he's four like, hours. Got old old woman's shins. <laughs> like, What's the like, matter yeah, with you? If you, he, huh? if you got bad knees, you probably shouldn't be running around a battlefield. <laughs> he's the one that scolds uh,
1: Giovanni. uh He's like, "Wait, what happens? You get shot, then nobody's gonna be able to take care of anybody." <laughs>
0: Yeah. He's very good at scolding people. Hey, <laughs> I'm okay. You're okay. 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 <laughs> yeah, Billy Connolly uh, tells tells uh, Liam Neeson that uh, he needs to adopt a more American mindset of just be okay. You know, everything will be okay. So yeah, Mr. Mason used is trying to use this this uh, heroin element. As a means of motivating Liam Neeson, it's like, yeah, we're doing it for the children. It's like, by by winning this fight, you'll you'll be pushing us one step closer to you know defeating those evil people that are supplying our people with drugs. Um, I mean, as a viewer, you can tell he's pretty much full of shit. But- yeah. As Liam Neeson on the spot, looking at a 12-year-old with track marks. Uh, you know, it's pretty hard not to be affected by that. So I can you know see him, how that could
1: work. Mr. Mason, you're a, you're a good guy.
0: <laughs> you're a, oh, I love you. Know, always a, have. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> His wife later in the movie. <laughs> yeah, she, she doesn't finish it, it though. <laughs> I did. Oh, I finished it for her.
0: I finished it, too, in my notes. Oh, Scottish accent saying, I love you, there's there's a little bit more that needs to be said there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry, but that, there, that's not the complete expression. You need to, There's a bit more. So, I of the
1: Tiger starts playing in our heads. We know what's happening. Um, Liam Neeson's decided to
0: take the fight. Uh, he's yeah. he's going to do yeah, it. You can practically hear the can practically hear
1: da 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 They're going down to the docks, it looks like, Uh, and I I guess that's where you can have um, illegal boxing matches is um, down by the docks. I I,
0: I think since the beginning of time, that's where it's been done. (laughs) I
1: I mean, I learned that from um, Gangs New York. Where where does the city end? Like, where Mm -hmm. where can we go? Down by the docks. So, that's a piece that together. So, I have my notes just like, is unlicensed boxing legal only at the docks? <laughs> um, but yeah, so we get there and honestly like I I was expecting a little bit more of a crowd like more like the crowd in snatch. Like there's a mm. bit a bit more people here, people are you know making bets, uh trying to make some money, but there isn't a huge crowd uh at this
0: at this match. Well, I mean it, it's it's a very off the radar kind of thing. <laughs> well, yeah. I but mean, y- it, it it's only going to attract a certain crowd of people, but um it may be a budget maybe a budget issue i'm not sure um, but yeah bare knuckle boxing is not going to be for everyone and i'm sure there's i'm sure there's some kind of rule where it's like if you aren't betting you're not going to be here this isn't a spectator sport yeah no we're not here for the glory of the competitive spirit we're here to have no money gloves, change hands
1: no spectators <laughs>
0: but yeah um, directly preceding uh the fight uh, we get a scene um at beth's house with her parents and my god this this spread of food yeah uh the sweets on display like, like my teeth hurt yeah, i was gonna say this. my teeth were hurting watching this yeah like my god like i know i know the the brits have a have a reputation for having a sweet tooth and you know shit like that but damn this yeah was, this is it, bad
1: it's quite a spread well i mean they got the kids there so hugh grant is a doctor and um his wife uh what beth her uh beth's mom is all about him like she's just like oh he's a doctor he's sh-. like she's like she's smitten like she's just like he's the greatest th-. he literally hung the sun like he's the
0: greatest thing ever <laughs> um he's a doctor Meanwhile, Beth is like, but he's six inches shorter. Yeah, six inches shorter. <laughs> he's got girth, you know. Yeah. She's not a girth. I'm, she's not, I'm a length gal. She's a, a length
1: girth. gal, not a girth gal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, she just is kind of turned off. Like, you can just tell Beth just kind of like, I don't know, her mom says something, and it just it gets under her skin. I don't know what she says, but Lou, I want to call him Lou Grant. Lou Grant, uh, he... <laughs> He offers some kind of tasty treat to the to the boy, and the boy's like, eh, "Is it cool?" I think he, he does. does. Then the little girl doesn't want it. Um, yeah. You can just kind of tell that they're like, "Yeah, maybe not so much with the Lou Grant." Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, you can tell like uh, the boy in particular shoots his mama look. Like, is it okay if on. I take if I have this, even though there's this whole spread of food? Um, she comments that like during the 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 coal mine strikes, um, she and her hubby were basically living on boiled nothing uh, so just from an aesthetic standpoint like uh the opulence that's on display in this scene at her parents house uh, you can tell it doesn't sit well with her like she's she's not used to living in luxury and i don't think she particularly wants it she just wants her guy yeah um but I, my note here says uh, "most boring white people house ever." Oh, it's <laughs> awful. It reminded me of uh, the parents from my big fat Greek wedding a bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's just they're just the most vanilla people that have ever been. We have um, a we have a bakery down the street
1: uh, called Bunt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Up uh, Bunt, <laughs> Bunt. It's Bunt. It's bunt bunt something but every time i go by it i go <laughs> um
0: so uh then we get to the docs ish um this is actually a really great montage if you ask me um i really like this uh so again the score uh comes into play the score um, is good Inyo, i'll give you the Neo Morricone's music starts playing and it's ominous um we're meant to feel something in this instance where it's like something bad's getting ready to happen or, or something's on the horizon and we get this really cool montage where uh, we get just like a couple of shots of liam neeson eating a big plate of pasta and there's like a waiter standing behind him and then we cut to the opposite angle of who's who's in front of liam and he's sitting at a table by himself by the way and in front of him, though, is, like, a long dining table of Mr. Mason and all the people who've been training Liam Neeson up to this point. So all of his handlers. And it looks like, like the Last Supper or something. And the vibe you get from it is something akin to, like, he's being fattened up for, like, the slaughter or something. Because Like, he even gives, like, a knowing smile. Like, oh, this is, like, a last meal kind of situation. Um, and then, yeah, we, we cross-cut back and forth between... Um, him and Mr. Mason like piling into a car and heading off to the venue and then uh, we cut back and forth between their travel and and the venue at the docks and uh, they're like setting up the arrangements and stuff and like clearing space and there's like a, a announcer and a timekeeper and everything and it's just this nice little montage uh, that's very moody like a lot of it's music because this score perpetuates like a single track of music. For like five minutes or something, it's very long, and it keeps playing uh, until Liam Neeson gets to the venue, and we get a couple of lingering shots of him and Cuddy, uh, Cuddy Dorson, his opponent, uh, seeing each other in proper, like for the first time, and there's no words exchanged. Like all the dialogue during this scene is just a uh, like ambient chatter and like the ring announcer and and all the people betting, like Mr. Mason. And Mr. Coven exchanging quips and stuff but Liam Neeson and Cuddy Dorson the two people who are about to fight not a fucking word for the past five minutes and the music just keeps rolling along until Liam Neeson and Cuddy Dorson are standing face to face and the timekeeper uh, starts the countdown to begin the contest and just that whole montage like I got really sucked into it I was like that's that's how you build up to a fight Uh, Uh, yeah which Brings us to the fight,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the the editing in this was uh, inconsistent. Like the the pace of the fight, I was just it was hard to follow. I'm like, who's who's hitting who? I, I don't know if it was just to me, like to show that it was pretty equal, but I don't know. It was it was hard to follow. I'm like, who who just got the hit on that one? I don't know. Yeah,
0: the, the choreography is very raw. Like yeah, it's it's not very visually astounding or, or meant to meant to be particularly flashy. It's very utilitarian. Yeah. The um, big aesthetic difference between the two of them is, of course, Liam Neeson is the taller of the two. Uh, he's very lanky. Uh, he's all greased up and shirtless. He's wearing good old gray sweatpants. That's what I want to be wearing when I'm in a life or death contest. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and Cuddy has a black wife beater. Uh, he's He's a Ginger, I think, he's a bearded gentleman with a, uh, obviously one eye that, uh, the iris is, just pure blue. I uh, can tell that the lights have gone out in that one, uh, and he he's he, he's a built dude. <laughs> like you can tell, he's he's a rugged gentleman.
1: He reminds me of like Chuck Liddell. Um, where he, a little bit. Yeah. He doesn't he doesn't have an athletic body. He doesn't even look super muscular, but he looks like he'll break your neck. From a punch, like
0: yeah, he's got that like trucker body type. <laughs> yeah. Like his
1: arms aren't even big, and yeah. uh, like he's not—he does not look like he's in good shape. But yeah, he—he he looks pretty rough.
0: Yeah, he looks tough. Like he, he looks like one of those guys that's like, like late, late in career George Foreman, where it's like, yeah, he looks like a teddy bear, but you need to understand that under that keg, there's a lot of muscle. <laughs> mm. It's all just underneath the surface. There's power there. It's a power belly, damn It's a power belly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So in a true bad guy fashion, uh, I believe the opening move uh, to begin the contest is Cuddy spitting in Liam Neeson's face. Uh, He lands a couple shots to the body. um, And then they square off and dance around each other for a little while. And Liam starts taking advantage of that length. Starts landing some jabs. Uh, I really like the quiet during the fight. Because um, again, the music stops right before the fight, but it picks up again as soon as we start exchanging a bit. But it's it's very methodical, very understated music, and uh, there's no crowd chatter at this point. Like it's no. it's, it's like a Japanese boxing contest <laughs> um, where the crowd is very respectful and very quiet until something actually happens. It's very and, uh, quiet. Yeah, it, I mean, if you've ever seen the Buster Douglas and Mike Tyson fight, it's it's eerie how quiet it is for, like, such a high-profile contest. Um, but this allows us to hear some, like, incidental dialogue, some, like, taunts they're exchanged back and forth between the two fighters. It's, because it's so quiet, it makes it seem, like, very intimate, very personal. And uh, then we we get introduced to the the way the rules work in this particular fight. Um, Cuddy, Cuddy knocks Liam down, and, uh, of course, he kicks him while he's down, because, again, he's being framed as the bad guy in this equation Um, so the way this fight works is uh, rounds have no length um, but you get a 30 second break every time somebody goes down and I believe there's a a 10 second knockdown rule so it's like if you can't get to your feet within 10 seconds then you lose Um, but the only way you can catch a break is if somebody falls down Uh, so by falling uh, they both earn each by Liam Neeson going down uh, they earn a 30 second break Um, and I'm not gonna I mean I actually did take notes on like every beat in this fight but I don't imagine you'd want to go into all of it but uh, this is about a 10 minute sequence Um, it's a very back and forth affair Cuddy's mostly uh, you know relying on some dirty tactics quote unquote dirty because I mean there really are no rules as far as I can tell Um, whereas Liam is more hesitant to go down on that level Um, but there are probably 7 or 8 downs in this fight and like I said um, this whole sequence is probably 10 minutes which is quite an achievement uh, when it comes to structuring a fight scene especially in western cinema that's not something you see very often Um, but were there any moments in here like highlights that you wanted to point out Kyle? No uh,
1: <laughs> I, did, I didn't care for the choreography in this. Um, I think I've, I've seen it better. I think it was uh, better in uh, Undisputed too. Like the, I mean, because it's evolved so much more from here. Um, I did like the lighting. I did appreciate that. Um, you can definitely get those. Ab- those abs are popping on Liam Neeson. I didn't even know he had abs. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. The uh, I, I did. I kind of did like the atmosphere, though. I, I will agree with that. Um, it is very like eerily quiet when they're fighting um which it was just kind of odd coming from like I've seen movies with you know bare knuckle boxing and it's just fucking chaos it's just ah, ah, God, God, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and uh, like everybody's just like shh, shh they're fighting be quiet just let them just let them just let them duke it out um yeah all in all the the fight sequence was okay
0: yeah i mean the fighting itself isn't why you watch the movie it's not just the the feeling, I guess, because I mean, I, I look at this scene as like almost like a descent into hell. <laughs> like, yeah, a little bit. And, I mean, there there is a spiritual element to it. Where I, I really like that it starts off very calm and structured, but um, during the last stanza in the fight, uh, we actually get this really beautiful overhead shot of uh, the crowd actually stepping inward. Yeah, I and creating a physical barrier because it needs to be said. Uh, this fight is conducted on like a concrete floor uh, with overhead lighting um, and they have quite a bit of space to maneuver around they don't make much use of it um, but in the last stanza of the fight uh, the audience creates like a physical barrier and uh, it becomes a very intimate like enclosed space where it's it's almost like claustrophobic and like Liam Neeson's acting in the sequence like points out to us that uh, the that element of righteousness to his character is very rapidly being tossed aside, uh, in favor of just survival instincts. Cause like I said, he starts relying on some questionable tactics in terms of, you know, moral code kind of stuff. Um, and by the end of the fight, they're basically just on their knees, holding each other up and slugging it out. There's, there's no tact. There's no strategy. It's just kind of whoever lands the last bunch wins. Um, and sure enough, uh, Liam Neeson does in fact win. Uh, he basically gets Cuddy on the ground and just punches him in the face until he until he can't move anymore. Uh, and his Liam Neeson's expression kind of tells us that. I'm um, guess I guess he's glad that he won, but at the same time, I'm pretty sure he's not too happy about how he got he went about doing it. Um, in fact, while he's punching Cuddy on the ground, um, he like cradles his head and like they do like a forehead to forehead kind of thing where it's it's almost like an expression of kinship where it's like uh, I know I'm basically trying to kill you right now but I don't feel good about it if that makes any difference for you (laughs) Um, and yeah uh, Liam wins the fight Uh, the celebration plays out in silence with only the score and he like lets out a primal scream while the crowd is hoisting him up and his facial expression kind of tells us that again happy one not too happy about how he went about doing it and then we cut to him in a milk bath yeah
1: (laughs) um he just wakes up like he was uh uh, the water was probably very relaxing he woke up and just like oh fuck shit I'm in the (laughs) bathroom and he still uh he still has on his gloves and then uh a lady opens up the uh, door to his little bathroom it's a really nice bathroom like he's got an upgrade Um, she comes in and turns on the lights, and she's in a uh, she's in a robe. So you're like, oh, what's uh, what's going on here? Uh, she comes in. He's got the little tray across the bath the the bathtub, and I was like, yeah,
0: he's got a he's got a Trumbo uh, bath bath thing. <laughs>
1: I'm like, I'm like, I wonder if she. I literally when I was watching this, I'm like. That'd be really weird if she set cocaine down because this isn't the kind of time that you'd want to do cocaine. Like, this is, I'm like, maybe she's giving him some opium or she's going to, like, hit him up with some morphine or put something on him. But she sets something down and she opens up a case. I'm like, fucking cocaine. Like, <laughs> called it. I, I was, I didn't mean to call it. I'm like, it can't be cocaine. In my head, I'm like, it can't be cocaine. Why would you do cocaine? <laughs> but she brings in cocaine and I'm like, cocaine? After a fight? Like he's like, that's like working of working like a 12 hour work day and then coming home and he's like, Hey, do you want a cup of coffee? Like, no, I want to watch an episode of uh, Seinfeld and I want to go to sleep. (laughs) She comes (laughs) in like, no, 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 we're, we're going up. We're going up now. Uh, Like, I think he wants
0: milk bath or not. I'm sorry, but after a contest like that, um, especially after a bath, you'd want to go to sleep. No, you turn into a, a Willy Wonka blueberry person after a fight like that. We, like, I, you're just a mess of swelling and soreness on wrestling tournaments. Like on Saturdays, and like people are like
1: we're gonna go out and do stuff. I'm like you're fucking crazy. Like I'm going home. I'm going to bed. I'm going to go
0: eat, and I'm going to go to sleep. That's and what then, I'm doing. And then I'm going to wake up, pissing blood, and my face is going to be purple. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my ears, my ears are going to be all
1: puffed up. <laughs> but I mean, he like she's here she does a uh, does a line then she leaves it for him I'm like he's gonna be she
0: has to teach him how to use it yeah
1: right (laughs) Uh, he looks like he's just gonna rub a little bit on his gums but he puts it on his tongue oddly enough (laughs) and then uh she so this is where this is where it goes next so he gets out of the bathtub and he's got his, his his towel around his waist and uh there's some uh, there's some nipple licking. There's some there's some rubbing the stuff. And I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? Like, you're a married yeah. man.
0: Like- yeah, and they they were very kind to to slip a shot of Beth like in bed alone during yeah. this. <laughs> so they we cut back to Beth for like just a second, and then back to him. And uh, yeah, he and this mystery gala, they're doing some mutual business uh, with their hands. Um, yeah. And yeah, there's some nipple licking, and it's like. Oh, so this is this is uh, him completely tossing his morals out the window. I see. <laughs> see, I thought I thought the
1: the movie from here was just gonna be like he uh, like he's just gonna fall into this lifestyle. He's just gonna be like fu- I thought it was gonna have like a dark ending where he's just like fuck her, like fuck my wife, fuck my kids. I'm doing this <laughs> shit now.
0: I mean, that would be kind of in. that I think that actually would be a more interesting story. That would be an interesting ending. Like, oh, okay. He um, became the bad guy. No, uh, but I mean, the American title is crossing the line, and this is the point where he crossed the line.
1: So, Cuddy's brother cock blocks him. Uh, they're they're <laughs> about to they're about to get it on, and they're like, ah, he's blind. I'm like what? Ah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm Like what the fuck is happening? And it's Cuddy's brother. He's like, he's blind. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like he's blind. You you blinded him in his other eye. I'm like, oh, he's blind. Well, fuck him. Maybe he should go back to college. Uh, <laughs> He he got into a bare knuckle boxing match, uh, and he had one eye. Like, what the fuck do you? What th- what did you think you were doing? <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, come on, man. <laughs> I mean, you're you're from Scotland. Surely the government will you know do something to take care of you if you got one eye put out.
1: Yeah, well, Liam Neeson goes down there, and they're they're about to thump this dude, and Liam's like, no 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 no, it's fine, it's fine. Let me talk to him or whatever. And he's like, where's he at? He's like, hey, he's at the hospital. So. Liam goes to Mr. Mason's office to get paid. Uh, I suppose. Yeah, he insists right away. Yeah, he's like, let me let me get paid. Mr. Mason's like, oh, dialogue and dialogue. You like this <laughs> shit? And uh, he's he gives him some money, and it doesn't really
0: look like that much money. It doesn't. It, it really doesn't. But it, this it, whole time, Mason is mocking him, basically like telling him like, I, I, you know, you talk so much about your moral code and your your righteousness, but Really, at the end of the day, this this is why you're here is to get paid, right? Yeah. And he's he's mocking him, basically pointing out that he he betrayed himself in in going through the fight and stuff. Uh, and this leads to a, a physical exchange between the two of them. Uh, Danny Schooler does not take too kindly to being mocked about money matters. And he, he ends up tossing this guy over a fucking table, and knocking him out. <laughs> he knocks and, the fuck out of him. <laughs>
1: like at first, I thought he killed him. To be honest, uh, that's what my girlfriend actually did. She did he kill him? I'm like, I no, he just he, the guy's a pussy. He just threw him over. I the- guess
0: so because he he didn't like hit his head or anything. He just went over a table and then he just doesn't get up. So, so I presumed he was dead.
1: Yeah, Liam Neeson takes the opportunity to take all the money out of the safe, and uh, he's got a nice satchel, really nice satchel. I really, really like nice. His, yeah, I like leather, the satchel, leather satchel, <laughs> tidy whities. <laughs> the whites. Uh, he he takes the satchel to the hospital, and he finds um, Cuddy in the bed. And uh, I liked I like his his scene with Cuddy here. I um, did too. I, I really did. liked it. I just. Honestly, you should watch this movie just to see, watch the fight, and then know that Cuddy's probably going to be blind in the other eye. Then listen to his conversation with Cuddy. Because uh, Cuddy has possibly the best outlook on life I think I've ever heard.
0: For real. He like he's he is the Buddha. He is yeah. the Scottish Buddha.
1: He is Zen. He is just like, <laughs> hey, it's me. It, I, I love, it. he's just like, hey, it's me, Danny. And he just holds up his hand immediately. He's like, nice to meet you.
0: Yeah, and like he has no ill will. T- he has no, no anger towards him whatsoever. It was none. a job to him. Yeah, he's like it's just a job. And then I'm like, this
1: is a really interesting way to end the movie. I'm like, this is nice. He's gonna give him some money, and uh, well, we learned that there's more to this. There's more to
0: this uh, story than, uh, than than we knew before. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the ti- the official title of the movie, is The Big Man, and more than one character in this film has been referred to as the big man uh, both danny and mr mason have been called that um however there's another character who we've never seen uh who is only shown to us in this brief in this brief sequence here where uh danny asks cuddy what were we fighting for like why why did we have this horribly brutal like hellacious bare knuckle boxing match <laughs> And Cuddy explains to him that there's a gentleman that they call the big man, some fat fuck that spent money that belonged to Coven and Mason, meaning the, the two gentlemen who were betting on this Bare Knuckle Contest. Uh, and the entire point of this fight was to determine uh, who would take action on getting rid of the big man. Uh, so because Coven lost the bet, uh, because Cuddy lost the fight um he had to he had to send a hitman to eliminate the fat man the the big man um so that was the entire reason for the, the fight was just to see who would clean up this mess and take the the risk of you know sending someone out there to do it so it's like a, it's a very 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 bullshit empty reason to have a, a bare knuckle fight <laughs> yeah um so yeah uh following this Liam Neeson's obviously not too happy about this and I was a little confused because again this was this entire plot point was only expressed in this single dialogue exchange so it kind of comes out left field Um, uh, but Liam Neeson gives Cuddy some money and uh, he heads home and his wife is there and I kind of love the visual uh, of him showing up at his doorstep with a satchel full of money and he just says I'm home I won and his face is just fucked, yeah. <laughs> and her reaction to it is she's not impressed. <laughs> like, <laughs> but just the words "I'm home, I won," it's like nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, not she, one person cares.
1: She's just like, no, like I don't want the money. I want you, you dumb shit. Yeah, this is where the I love you, I love you, yeah, and I finished it. Always have, always uh, have,
0: always have, and uh.
1: What's he do after this? Like he,
0: uh, he he heads to the coal factory. Yeah, again. and he's making uh, paper. He, <laughs> yeah, he's making paper
1: airplanes. Paper, making paper airplanes out of the money, which is weird. And then uh, I think Billy Connolly comes up. Or oh, no, no 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 no! That old that old one of the old guys from the uh, from the logger from the the, the pub. Intel. Yeah, the
0: tenant's logger, um old, old guy that we learned, his name is Sam, <laughs> and he has a pretty fun exchange with Liam Neeson. He says, there's some shithead at the pub for you. A smile like a tax collector. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's pretty obvious that Mason and his crew are, are looking for Liam Neeson. Yeah. And then Billy Connolly shows up, and he has a fresh slice down his cheek, um, obviously as a result of one of Mason's goons getting a hold of him or something. And he warns Liam Neeson, tells him, Hey, uh, I know they did this to me, but they're actually looking for you. So you might not want to be here. And sure enough, they're like, he's, he has like one of those, he's behind me, isn't he moments. (laughs) And, uh, Mason and his goons show up and there's like not a single word exchange. As far as I know, uh, Mason just gets out of his car, walks up to Liam Neeson and, uh, he, like, grips him by the, the forearm or the bicep and just shoots him, like, a look where... I'm not sure what he was trying to communicate in that instance. Maybe, like, kinship or disappointment, something in between. And they just take the money back and walks back to the car. But as he's doing so, he turns around for a second. He's like, oh, yeah, we stopped by the house just a minute ago, too. And uh, Liam freaks the fuck out. Oh, he's like, yeah. oh, shit, my family was there. And so he takes off running back home. And I, bah, <laughs> bah, bah, that was, that's terrible bah, that's terrible. <laughs> uh, Julie. yeah Liam Neeson is a weird he has a weird yell yeah he that's doesn't why, do it often but it always sounds weird that's when I checked out a dark man was
1: when he was yelling at the uh at the carnival I'm like okay
0: dude you you've told me that before and I'm like I I don't Understand, like that is my like maybe my favorite scene in that whole movie. Yeah,
1: that's, that's that's where I was like, okay, this this might may not be for me.
0: God damn, really? <laughs> yeah, that's
1: when I shut it off. I'll go back. Oh man,
0: it. like that is my favorite scene in that movie. Yeah, I I want the pink elephant for my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, uh, he goes
1: back to the uh, the apartment and she's not there. Then they're, now they are the kids. Um. But he walks outside, and I guess uh, Mason's pulling up um, right when a parade is showing up.
0: Yeah, uh, as it so happens, uh, the wife and the kids, uh, I'm not sure if she got the village together or what, but basically the whole village has come out, um, and Mason and Danny have this confrontation where Danny's like okay if you're gonna kill me then just fucking do it right now in the street in front of everybody and Beth steps up and she points out that's like if you if you harm him uh, the whole village loves this guy he's like the hometown hero uh, if you kill him you're gonna have to kill the rest of us and I don't think you have the resources to do that Yeah. and Mason he does the math he does the mental math he realizes yeah I, I probably can't kill him right now uh, but he does threaten to do so and this is not exactly resolved he does tell Liam Neeson straight to his face like I can kill you anytime I want <laughs> and he's probably right uh, but he packs up his shit and he walks out of this town like a fucking boss yeah uh, so the way he does this is he walks straight into the crowd and they all just part like they all just spread out and let him through and his, his goons are walking behind him and his car is behind him, and it, it's following him, very slowly. And he just looks so fucking regal and awesome doing this because he's like, "I don't need to get in the car. <laughs> you people will move anyway." And then, uh, I believe we get you know triumphant music playing over the scene. All the villagers embrace uh, Liam Neeson. Uh, Beth uh, makes up with Billy Connolly, like whatever, whatever issues they may have had or whatever like she tells him like hey come inside i'll patch you up so everybody's happy happy ending mega mega happy ending mega happy ending well Um, not
1: mega happy ending uh liam neeson got his ass beat for free to realize that he just needed to be with his wife
0: yeah he's still unemployed by the way
1: (laughs) not only did he is he unemployed but he didn't make any money because the guy just took all that money back so
0: yeah and who knows if he received some lasting damage from that fight yeah
1: that that dude's pretty big he probably needs to go to a doctor
0: yeah he probably should get on that yeah i um, pretty sure cocaine doesn't fix that <laughs> no it doesn't help um but yeah uh i believe the last shot in the movie is pretty much a reverse of maybe the the third or fourth shot in the movie uh, it's of the same of mason's vehicle uh in the beginning of the movie it was daytime and it was coming over a hill towards the camera now it's the same shot in the in the evening, going away from the town and over the hill. Yeah, and uh, then we get our credits. Yeah, and that's the big man. <laughs> that is the big man. That is the end. Thus endeth the big man. Um. So, like I said, I I, I wasn't expecting this to be a great movie, and it certainly isn't. Um, I think I told you off air. Uh, I enjoy this movie for its its quaintness. Mm. It's a small story about small town people, and it just—I don't know—it has a cozy feel to it, and it, I, it has punching and Liam Neeson, so I'm happy. <laughs> <Gotcha>. <laughs> but how did you feel about Kyle? Yeah, you know, um, you know,
1: my my little pal, the Genesis, uh, uh, Guinness, helped out <laughs> a little bit, uh, smooth the a uh, little bit of lubrication for the movie. Um, definitely some weird parts like you said the dialogue is pretty good Uh, the story
0: is just a little it 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 feels like a like a almost a children's tale like a fable or something I feel
1: like the they didn't get to shoot what they wanted to tell like they could have done a little bit more to set up why they were they were doing the boxing match and we don't find out until the last like four minutes of the movie as to why it happened so Um, yeah it's okay. If you watch it, you probably won't hate it. Um, if you don't... It's also, quite,
0: you, it's also pretty short, too.
1: Yeah, it's pretty short. It's 90 minutes when we made movies 90 minutes long.
0: Yeah, I miss those days.
1: Miss it. I think I'm going to watch <laughs> Overlord uh, while Steph's gone. She's not going to be happy about that, but I'm tired of waiting. so.
0: Oh, nice. I might rent that, too, then. Yeah.
1: I I, I have a feeling we might want to do an episode on that, because I feel like it's going to be fun.
0: Uh, I mean, the, the math equation that is Overlord... Zombies plus legit World War Two plus Kurt Russell's son plus practical makeup effects uh, sign me up all about it
1: sounds like a blast sorry man <laughs> I'm tired I've been up early I've been working all day
0: now it's getting close to my bedtime so I'm, I'm winding down here um, alright well I'll let you get to it but uh, next week uh, we'll be doing The Hallow is that right?
1: are we going into The Hallow or are we going to start our evening with Troy Duffy
0: Uh, I think we got time for The Hallow.
1: Okay. Well, we should probably do The Hallow then, which is uh, an Irish X-Files movie, as I like to call it.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, I know nothing about it, so I'm kind of excited to check it out. Just jump right in. Well, anyway, uh, thank you uh, for tuning in as we caught up on cinema. Yes. Uh, Until next time. See ya.